What is up, Fantasyland? We are starting up 2023 with a bang, like we always do in the GOAT district. We have one of the biggest guests, one of the most successful players, most respected high-stakes guys on the planet, coming in to review 2022. You got to learn your lessons this time of year. Take what you learned to go into 2023, which we're in now. Get those Ws, get those ships. We're going to look at the biggest surprises, biggest upsets, biggest waiver wire pickups, and so much more. Guys, this is a big one. You're not going to want to miss it. Let's get to it. District, you know the Pope listens. Dynasty, our religion, for the blokes missing on all of these trades, on all of these plays, on all of these grades. By the end of the day, y'all getting played. So, what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex. Send the homie a text. That trash offers the best. You try to make it complex. Then they text you back. Now, all of a sudden, they don't make any sense. <laughs> Broaden your horizons, boy. Dynasty's not for the Simons, boy. These trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's a... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be trading. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Bait them. Fish. What is up, Fantasyland? Happy New Year to everyone. All the best to you. Hopefully 2023 is your best, and we're here to help you do that. Guys, we talk about the best. No man is better than this man. Like I said, the most respected, most successful fantasy player on the planet. You look at his player, his profile on Twitter. I mean, Chad, is there any league on this planet that you have not smashed yet? Pros versus Joes. I've not <laughs> I knew you'd have an answer. I knew you'd have an answer. You don't know. Sorry, Andrew. You had difficult competition this year at the top, Chad. There was a, there was, that team at the top was pretty sharp. I did indeed. Hey, the GOAT District's got to represent, but we respect him and we're so happy to have you on tonight, Chad. Guys, if you don't know that voice, it's Chad Schroeder. They call him the big blue whale, as somebody mentioned today on Twitter. And we're pumped to have you tonight. We got a big show. Thanks for coming on, Chad. Anytime. It's a, always fun to come on with you guys. It's uh, feels like you're having some drinks at the bar or something with some buddies every time I come on here. And guys, if you're new to the show, smash the, the like, smash the subscribe. Right beside me, you've got the OG Fantasy. Theo, happy new year, buddy. I know you're pumped for tonight. No, I'm excited. I'm really excited. It's a great way to uh, to get the year started off. Um you know, this was a this was a, a wild year, and I'm I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to Chad and you guys about it, um, kind of like in the rear view. Exactly, exactly. And Dan, I mean, we've got teams together. We've done well in some leagues. We do this every year. How excited are you for tonight? And happy New Year, buddy. Yeah, happy New Year. A- absolutely excited for tonight. Love talking to Chad. Uh, I, I I'm always writing a few things down as we talk too. So uh, you know, there's there's always new things to learn. Uh, you know, every time we, uh, we put him on the rack, we get a couple more secrets out of him. So always appreciate Chad coming on for, for sure. A lot of writer downers when, uh, yes. when Chad is on and, and 
I don't think he's in La Quinta. Shelly, with, with a huge appearance tonight, buddy, it's always a blast to have you. Yeah, starting off 2023, can't miss the first show of the year. I'll miss plenty of others, but certainly not this one. So good to see you guys. Happy New Year. Love it. Love it. So, guys, a lot a lot has happened. Uh, we're going to talk about 2022. A lot has happened recently uh, in, in, with Week 17. You've got the situation with the Cincy-Buffalo game. Uh, a lot of, of leagues have either released statements or how they're going to position themselves in fantasy. Obviously, this is a fantasy show, guys. The, the obvious is there's a young man, 24 years old, that was seriously injured. He's still in, in serious condition in a, in a good setting. He's, from what I understand, in a really good hospital. So that's a good thing. Uh, you hear good news like his uh, GoFundMe, where he's gone from thousands of dollars to millions and millions of dollars that he's raised. So there is some light uh, on this story. Obviously, a very tragic story. And, and we hope the best to, to, um, to uh, oh, wow. Hamlin, Damar uh, Hamlin, Damar yeah. Hamlin. Apologies. Uh, we hope that you know he he's back soon. And and I mean whether he plays football or not, not really important right now. We just want to make sure this man uh, can you know come out uh, healthy and, and alive, and then hopefully back on the field. But what we wanted to touch on tonight, and and Theo, maybe you can start this discussion off. Uh, it is just or not Theo, sorry, Chad is just kind of like if if you were president for the day with with I know you play in a lot of a lot of the high stakes leagues you're involved in a lot of uh, leagues where this decision these decisions affect a lot of the outcomes but how would you handle this situation uh that we're in with this this you know cincinnati Bengals uh buffalo bills game so so this is obviously a, a touchy question and again i, I you, you did a good job of, of sharing and I, I just hope the young man pulls through and i cannot wait to see this Christmas toy situation next year. Once he does, that's going to be awesome. But uh, as far as fantasy football goes, um, I am pretty passionate about the industry. You know, when, when legal things come up um, in Nebraska, I go down there and I fight for the postseason industry. Um, and I, I always I pride myself on looking at things, uh, not how it impacts me, but what, what I think should be done. And obviously, when you're in as many leagues as I am, uh, one league's going to go this way if a decision's made, another one's going to go another way. It's just what it is, you know. So I like to, in some ways, that puts me in a unique position to try to just say what I think should happen. And um you know only one one company typically approaches me in situations that arise during the season and it's not any of the companies you're probably thinking of it's a smaller company and it, they operate contain leagues and they know that i'm very fair so they contact me when some weird things arise and the rules let's face it guys the rules can't address every situation that's ever going to come up all the time, right? What they all do tend to have is a discretionary clause in their rules that say they can opt in the best interest of the game or, or what have you, or if the schedule changes, they can do what's in the best interest of the game. So that leaves me going back to the spirit of the game, if you will. Um, so, a company like RT Sports made, I believe, made the first announcement, and and they uh, 
their rules are a little bit more defined than other companies rules uh in by reading their verbiage and stuff and i still think they had an opportunity to use the the discretionary clauses that they have but given that their wording is a little bit more uh concise if you will um i can't really fault the decision they made um and i think if you make the decision that the, the game's not going to be included because of their weekly uh, deadlines of when it has to be completed by i don't think you can include stats which they did not do um because the nfl has given no stats for this game at this point they come at when the game's concluded in the nfl official game books and things like that um so there are no stats until this game it, it, there's a resolution to the game um and so i think that uh in rt's case they they stuck their neck out there and made the first call and and i can't really judge that one harshly i i would have liked to probably seen them use like a spirit of the rule uh spirit of the game clause and look at it from the standpoint of uh so so what are we doing here um we got guys that potentially could continue this game there, there's ways we could include include this game um what's the harm in in letting this digest and see how the nfl handles it and then and then go from there and then include the the stats you know but again given their verbiage and the rules that's pretty concise i can go get along board with that and and chad uh, sorry this is, this is andrew just to just to interrupt yeah. you before you transition right I, I think what we you're referring to is they're pretty clear about how they count their weeks like week 17 games are week 17 games. And once week 17 concludes, that's it. So they were taking that line of their rules, which I think is fairly consistent. Like, I don't think we had the application of that rule during COVID, but I think a lot of the providers were kind of using this weekend concept during COVID, where it was a, a clear possibility we're moving games all around to Tuesdays and Wednesdays. But I just, I wanted to be clear about that, your, your point. You, you were really focused on the it, And, their, and their verbiage includes one key thing yep. that, that makes me more okay with their decision is that they use actually the words NFL schedule, not yep. fan. I mean, it's clear NFL schedule. Yeah. Right? Yep. I, I know it. I know in uh, I, I, I co-commission at this point just because uh, Nate Dog shout out to Nate Pilmer, and and I specifically have a clause in my and I put that in actually thanks to Scott Fish I think we had on the show or actually um, uh, Ryan McDowell we had on the show once Dan and I and we were talking commissioner stuff and he kind of suggested that to add that disclaimer because things like this you you never you know like we like we said this is something new uh, it's unprecedented so you're kind of left making these hard decisions as someone running these leagues and it affects a lot of people and a lot of outcomes and in these high stakes leagues a lot of money right so that's kind of why we wanted to get a feel for what as you know someone with your uh, experience how you would approach this i know with with myself i'm taking the stance as 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 i think some other sites have and theo you can correct me if i'm wrong but just kind of well, waiting NF to see uh, yeah nffc and FFWC, which I play in both of them, and, and I know Chad um, does as well. They're both waiting, um, you know, to see what the NFL has to say. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing in the goal leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, for the that's what the the like the the big home leagues. I've also done that 
like CBS, ESPN, and Yahoo have not ruled on anything. Sleeper has ruled that they're going yeah. to um, – it, it's basically like end of the week. So they're going to give uh, – they're going to give each league, uh, like the individual, um, the commissioners, a opportunity to to run the game if there is a rescheduling. But it's officially done with like a commissioner button. So it's can I can I ask you something, Theo, on the sleeper front? Because I don't sure. play there. Um, it's my understanding that sleeper is very much like my fantasy league from the standpoint that they don't run public contests; they run a commissioner service. Yes. Correct. Is that correct? Correct. So they they give the commissioner so the option matter. to to. It, it doesn't matter what they do, essentially. Yeah. Like yeah. I like, like I play with companies that that I play with a couple of different companies that use my fantasy league as their software provider. Both and both of these companies to this point, and and I'll just say them: um, Data Force and Masters Fantasy Football. They both use my fantasy league as their provider. Both of them are not taking the stance that my fantasy league did in in using the zeros. Um, they they're leaving it up to the. They're going to continue the season if the season moves on, you know, because yeah. um, those uh, those sites that are just commissioner applications they uh, they have the incredible ability, quite frankly to allow the commissioners to do what they want to do. And um, so they're going to, at the end of the day, they're what they are, their default mechanism really isn't news. It doesn't really even matter because they aren't running any public leagues. And then Chad, I, I know that I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about the FFPC too, since I don't, I don't, I think it's where you're going to transition to, but I'll even give you a straw man on, on the pod to kind of you know, lay out your argument against like, for yeah. me, for example, because I, I think, I think your two arguments, right, are, are one, the speed at which they did it, and two, the counting the stats of a half game, right? I, I don't know if you're arguing, like, the definition of the weeks. Because I, I can get on board with people applying the definition of the weeks. I, I can't think that you had some. I think you had some other issues that I, I know that you wanted to discuss um, just before we kind of moved into the meat of the I, I I can here, – here's my take on the definition of the weeks thing. Um, I think it's arbitrary enough – in, in all these cases, even with RT having the verbiage they did, that's the strongest and um, the best drawn out, if you will. I, I think that uh, all these companies had an opportunity to use their discretionary clauses, if, if need be. Like, if you're never going to use it in this situation, when are you? Um, so I, I think it goes back to me, the spirit of the game, like... So from what I've seen so far, there's been a little bit more blowback towards how the how some companies have handled it that have called it a day and not including this game versus companies that are leaving this game open. I haven't heard as much criticism from players that are negatively impacted by those companies making that decision as I have by companies making decisions that are not going to include the game that that's what i will, will say the, the from the ffpc standpoint i do not see how stats can be included from a game where the nfl hasn't given stats that's my major beef with the ffpc ruling and it really doesn't affect very many things um 
because the league prizes are all done. You know, all, all the league prizes are in the books. There's going to be minimal impact in the main event. Um, I, I don't know about football guys and Terminator and all these other overall contests. Football guys, there is a T. Higgins team that is, yeah. you know, that, that was hanging hanging the balance. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and to but, be fair, like, team take the lead, though, on his one catch the other night. I'm not sure the exact scenario. I believe this team was in like third, but could. I'm not 100%, but I know that there was one. It's one of those deals where he probably would get there if it played out. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. not what I'm talking about right now. Um, he's, he's talking about the ones that are already there with like yeah, the Tyler right. Boyd touchdown. Right. Like if like, you're not going to count the game. I don't count if the NFL hasn't rewarded them yet. I'm very, very opinionated on that passionate about, yeah passionate about that yeah. adamant yeah. yeah and that's and and you have the right to and and look we appreciate you sharing your opinions on it i know it's not easy i know you you know you're treading the lines you know we have a great partnership with some of these leagues so we appreciate uh your, your thoughts on this and and how you would handle it what you have issues with and i, I mean this is a great discussion i think to, to have an open discussion in fantasy land because look we've never experienced this before right so kind of like COVID took us by surprise this is another scenario where we're going to learn as we go here some of these decisions are going to be right some of them are going to be wrong um but we have uh Theo I know you're dying uh, uh, oh I, sorry can I, Dan can I, end on, can I end this conversation with one last little thing yes I just want to <laughs> say this the commissioners of these places Greg Ambrosius Ian Ritchie um, the owners of, of FFPC, uh, Dave and Alex, you know, by and large, they all do a tremendous job, right? So what I would not like to see is them start implementing more all-encompassing rules for every situation. I would rather them use their discretionary clause clauses that they have built in to make tough decisions in situations like these. I might not agree with them, but I trust them to do that. And that's what those discretionary clauses are for. So you cannot encompass everything in the rules. It's impossible because you never know what's going to happen. There's always Agreed. something new. So yeah. just, just a couple of thoughts. On yeah, go ahead. Uh, you know, number one, you know, I don't know each of the, each of them uses different software. I don't know what the capabilities of each set of software is. You know, so that's certainly something that could have an effect. I don't know if it is or not, but it's very valid, Dan. I think that in some cases, I think that's a factor. It it, it, it might be, you know, and I just don't know. But um, you know, it's something to think about, you know. And a lot of people have been throwing around ideas as if you know this is just like you know their league is some sort of standalone league with one commissioner. And all these you know all these companies have you know massive amounts of leagues that they have to do this for you know so it's not like they can just you know if their software can't handle it they can't just go in and do it by hand or whatever you know like you could do if you're commissioning your own private mfl league so you know there there are some issues like that and you know overall i think we also just ought to keep in mind that uh you know we haven't seen anything like what happened in 2020 with uh covid and then what happened this year with uh you know this this last game i mean these are way outliers you know that we we didn't see for you know 30 plus years before that we might not see for another 30 years um you know so try to whichever you know provider you're using or whatever uh you know i guess i would say just you know try to give them just at least a little bit of grace uh, you know as you think about what they've done and 
and how they've done it. Maybe they didn't handle it perfectly. Uh, maybe you can think of better ways they could have handled it, but uh, you know, it, it, at least give them credit for uh, being stuck in a really, really bad situation. Just to finish that out, Dan, that's well, very well said, and I need to heed that advice a little bit more myself. Um, but uh, also try to look at it from the standpoint that it's not only you that's getting impacted. For every person that's that's benefiting, there's it's an equal sum game. Somebody's taking the ass end of it. Um, so, you know, just keep that in mind. Like, don't look at things simply. Don't don't quit playing with a company, for instance, because they made a decision that impacts you negatively. Yeah. That if the rules are reversed. You you would love well you, you you could see that in your own portfolio I'm sure Chad like people can look in their own portfolio I know Dan and I were talking earlier it, you know maybe it, it benefited me in Dynasty but then in Best Ball I was in second you know in, in a bunch of leagues and I'm gonna finish in second right so it, I think in your own portfolio people can look and and see that there's a there's always a yin and a yang right uh, every one of these companies I've discussed tonight is a good company to play with hundred percent I'll play there no matter what decisions come about. Um, 100%. All right, guys. Time, I just wanted to give my thoughts. So. Chad, Theo's going to kill me because he, he he gave us like five minutes on this and we're at like 20 minutes. But hey, look, Theo's going to kill me because I said... No, I'm not. I'm not I, I, <laughs> no, no, this was good. This was good. This was good. This was good, guys. And and the chat, the chat's been like, like, like blasting tonight. So guys, in the chat, or if you're watching this later on, let us know in the comments. How would you handle it? What do you like or not like with how these leagues are handling it? Let, let us know, man. We want to hear from you guys, hear what, you know, what end of the, the, the coin that you, you were affected. But before we start, Theo, before I, I kind of pass this over to you so you, you can kind of start hammering our 2022 review, Mike Fonte, uh, shout out to him, came on uh, prior to us even coming on the air. And I thought this would be a great way just to kind of walk in to our 2022 review and maybe Chad can start with kind of his process in reviewing his drafts and his previous season at the end of the year. Like, how do you do that? Uh, you know, help, help our audience with, with this uh, process, Chad. Uh, this is probably not what anybody's going to want to hear, but uh, I don't, I, don't, I <laughs> go to hi, I end up hibernation after the season ends and I come out of it about in July. And then, um, no, seriously, I don't, I don't, uh, there are lessons I learned this year, I think more than, than others. And, and, but I think about them all throughout the season, not necessarily, um, I'm not honestly too exhausted to really go through a thorough review and see what I did wrong. I kind of know what I did wrong during the season. So I don't really do a year end review. Per se. Do you, do you look at like your draft boards maybe and, no. or, or like your waiver wire bidding or anything specific like that or no? I, I do not. And I know many people do that are great players and, and uh, everybody's got their own approach. Mine's, mine's typically a lazier one than, than um, uh, most good players. So that so sounds like, sounds like a few more leagues and most good players too. So true. There, there, there is that, I mean, there's a lot for you to go through compared to most people. That's true. The process, the process works pretty well. Yeah. It's, it's proven. There's yeah. something to it. Yeah. And that, and that's kind of why I think it's a great question because it doesn't have to be the answer we want, but 
it, it's it's the answer that gets you the results. I do have some good thoughts, though. I think on what I learned this year, which is more than. Well, we'll we'll, we'll hold that for the end. We'll hold yeah. that for the end, Chad. That's the closer, Chad. Say, say That's a closer, buddy. We gotta we gotta keep it the end, guys. Smash the like, smash the subscribe, Theo. Let's get to it, bro. So this this season was was wild. I mean, it's been it's been a it's been a long ride. Um, but I think we have a lot that we've learned from this season. I want to go around the horn. And kind of and kind of share kind of our thoughts. Um, maybe we could start out with Dan on this one, and, and then just go Andrew and, and Chad, and then JD. Who was your Dan? Who was your best draft pick? And a player maybe you were higher on than the than the market, um, and you drafted you know pretty regularly. Yeah, so I had uh, I had a, over thirty six percent of Jarek McKinnon, and you know he ended up being a really good playoff hammer for me. Uh, you know, help me out in a lot of leagues, and, uh, and for us, Dan, and for yes, us, yes, definitely. So if, if if you were if you were co-owning a team with me, I was pretty much <laughs> insisting we were taking McKinnon. So uh, yeah, that, that Dan's one not lying on that one. <laughs> oh no, dude, dude, that, it was huge. He's huge this year, one hundred percent. That that one that one I'm I'm very happy about, and uh, and hopefully I'm not stealing Andrews, but I'll also say uh, Evan Engram. I had uh, just about twenty eight percent of Evan Engram, so. Yeah, uh, that was that was a huge one down the stretch as well. That's awesome. What about you, I Andrew? Dan, Dan, and I, Dan and I may have been like a human centipede on the Evan Ingram, where I would shit some Evan Ingram terrible, out and Dan would analogy. eat it, and he'd shit it out, and I'd eat it. It's just like uh, <laughs> kept drafting Evan Ingram, and one of us would be the the main Evan Ingram guy. How about that? Uh, yes. No, I think I I like taking a lot of early Justin Jefferson and some of the early football guys, early main event drafts that may seem obvious. Um, but then I think that, um, man, Jalen Waddle may be a good one. Cause I think that even gosh, I think before the Tyree kill trade, when those early best balls were open and some early drafts were open, still taking him like late. Se- well, I was taking him like late second round then. Um, now obviously he, you know, you know, fell in terms of ADP from there, but I think he was still a good buy and was buying him, a uh, a lot during draft season. So, uh, I think Jalen Waddle was a great one that, uh, I like sticking by, yeah, even with the Tyreek Hill news. By you, Chad. Um. So this this was a year, I, and you guys kind of know my draft style, where it's not I, I uh, am not really leaping guys too much. So I'm not a hero drafter per se, but uh, I think that a couple guys that I got right and uh, took them at slot or above were Tony Pollard. Um, and then I think that I got the front four right, um, and not necessarily due to skill because I think a little bit of it was uh, fluky, having to look back at it. But I I was taking CMC over Taylor every time. Um, now I was taking Justin Jefferson over Taylor every time, um, and I was taking Taylor over Cooper Cup until the Monday night game, then I leaped cup to the front of the border. And I think by and large, uh, that process was correct. Um, so therefore, by doing it that way, I, I was way overweight on Christian McCaffrey because um, I was taking him over Taylor every time, you know, so just by default, I'm going to be heavy on him. But by what I witnessed with my eyes, I think it was a little lucky to get where it got with him because I don't think that uh, I, I I can see clear explosion loss when I watch him play. Um, 
And I, I feel pretty fortunate that it worked out how it did. Um, when he's getting the ball jammed up the middle, hammer time style by McAdoo in Carolina, you know, that's not he, – he was still finding a way to get there, but it made me nervous that he's going to get hurt and they're not using him correctly. Um, and then he caught a pretty good breakout in San Francisco when uh, Eli Mitchell got hurt again um, because that was trending in a, down a path that was going to get a little dicey. Um, so I think that um, at the end of the day, the, the I got a little lucky, but th those front four kind of worked out. And then Tony Pollard's all I got. But by and large, the guys that I was in on, that I was jumping and, and steadfast on were complete busts. I don't know how I made it through the season somewhat successfully, to be honest. J.D., what about you? Uh, Pollard was definitely, uh, the first one on my list. He, he did well for me this year. Uh, Khalil Herbert. I mean, I know it dealt with injury. I think he still showed that he's, he's, uh, he's got something man. Get, give the men a better opportunity. But the two guys, I think that I haven't heard yet that we really promoted on this show that I had a lot of share of and really helped me are guys like Rashad White and Ramondre Stevenson, uh, that have really elevated their, their values in fantasy land. And I think we were on them pretty early last off season, especially a guy like White as a rookie, um, so those are two names that, uh, that I didn't hear yet with regards to, uh, guys that we were on that did well. I would yeah, be no, with I you on Stevenson, by the way, but he's kind of been disappointing in the stretch run here. So he hasn't really won anybody anything except yeah. for, I guess the, the FFPC winner, they somehow got through it. <laughs> well, he had, he actually, he went down in FFPC championship week was the injury game. So he was, it was week. It was what Dan, that was week 14. Yes. Week 14 where they where they had the 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 Arizona game where every right. single guy got injured at the beginning of the game. It was just like a, a mash unit. For me, Andrew nailed it. Um Jalen Waddle was a guy that we were unwavering about. We had some very prominent fantasy analysts in the GOAT district this past summer who were very down on Jalen Waddle, and we were steadfast with our belief in his talent and our belief that he could coexist uh, alongside Tyreek Hill. Um, and a lot of people took L's on, on their Jalen Waddle takes. I mean, you had some guys having Jalen Waddle as like a low end wide receiver two, maybe a high end wide receiver three this year, despite his massive rookie year. And we were all over him. He finishes his wide receiver eight. He averages 15.6 points per game. I think he'll be living in the second round next year, um, in high stakes formats. And then I'll, I'll hat tip myself because Pat Fryermuth, uh, the GOAT district, has been on. And I've been a big <laughs> guy, and Fryermuth, you know, finishes as a top six tight end. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of them in, in Dynasty and also in Redraft, and I think he's just a beast. Uh, now, how about guys on the other end of this coin? Who is the guy you drafted too much of this year that's a that's a dud? I, I can actually take this one. Because Speaking I'll, of I'll coin, give, Theo. Yeah, go ahead. I'll give, a, I'll give a hat tip to Dan Williamson, who's – uh, Kyle Pitts, um, Kyle Pitts uh, comparisons to guys like Eric Ebron are starting to look a little, <laughs> little more realistic. I don't think it's going to be that bad for his career, but for this year, I certainly fell on it, and I fell on it at a bad time. I didn't have a whole lot of them until maybe the very end of the summer, and then there was a couple of drafts where I really steamed him and wanted to make sure I had some exposure, and those teams were dead in the water. And a few of those teams would have been great if I would have gone just one different pick. So I will take the L on him, and I'll also take the L on Elijah Moore. We don't, you don't lose a fantasy league because of a guy you take in the fifth round, sixth round in high stakes. 
that's a that's a bad cop out. But I think when I did it repeatedly with a few Elijah Moore uh, shares, that was a tough one. And in Dynasty, I had an opportunity to move him for a King's Ransom in a couple of leagues, and I held on to him. So I'll take the L on two of those guys. Uh, you know, we have full disclosure in the GOAT district, and I'll, and I'll go for that one. How about you, Dan? Any uh, any guys that you were higher on that, that failed badly? Man, uh, Kyler Murray was definitely uh, the one that, that – Killed me in quite a few places. Uh, you know, it, I, I thought he legit had a path to be, you know, a, a, a top three quarterback this year. And I mean, it was just obvious from the, you know, basically first week on that it was not going to happen. So, uh, you know, that's that's the one I feel the worst about because it went, even when he was playing, you know, I, I, I felt like for the most part, I wasn't really getting those big crushing weeks that, you know, I expected to get out of him. And uh, so... Yeah, that that would be my main one. I'm not answering this question. I've been cursing Chad all year for that varsity. You took – we had A.J. Brown. Do you remember all yes. your drafts? We had A.J. You, you Brown. You stack-blocked us, Chad. You can admit it now. The season's over. You stack-blocked us. Hey, we had A.J. Brown. Hey, Chad, we had a we had Dude, how am I going to stack somebody when I'm doing six drafts at a time? I have no That's a good point. Fair point, Chad. Yeah, there's no have. way he remembers. But listen, in that varsity, which I think he came in first or second, is that uh, final answer? I think we we luck boxed him to third. Nevertheless, Chad, we had AJ Brown and we had our sights on Jalen Hurts the whole time, and we were like the three of us, Theo, Dan, and me, were like, well, we can't get more Kyler. To Dan's point about us being fucking poor because of Kyler, the whole time we're like, we cannot get more Kyler. We cannot. Everyone agrees. Oh, Chad's not. Chad's doing anything. He's going to ADP. Well, Chad's going to fire up Kyler. No problems here. One pick before us, you take Jalen Hurts. And so we're basically forced back into more Kyler. Anyways, I've been thinking about you all season in that pick and how it more or less cost us like our own first or second in that league. Are so, you the reason why you. I have Nick Foles quarterback in my team? Luckily, <laughs> we've got the quarterback god, Trevor Lawrence, going. So it's we're all, we're all good there. But anyways, I'm so glad you reminded me, Dan, on this pod with Chad. Because I just it's been like – You've been living rent free in my head with that pick, uh, Chad. I, I skipped this question. It's it's Kyler and Pitts. Terrible. Hey, hey Shelly, at least we've got the pros versus Joe's uh, yeah, title uh, over him. You know, that's something. <laughs> uh, what about you, Chad? Any any guys that? You, oh man, you know, we could really go on impressed? all night here. So, uh, like, I really screwed up my whole entire season uh, from having a really good season into a very. Uh, a decent season, profitable season, but not what I was hoping for. Um, by continuing to take guys like Mooney and Elijah Moore uh, over good quarterback play um, at the at the FFPC, especially um, Mooney and and Elijah Moore, those are the ones. And so, you know, I was probably even weight. Listen, you know, and it, in some years it works and some it doesn't, but I, and it's hard to say that I sticking to my guns uh, was a bad idea this time, but, you know, I wasn't very high on Allen Robinson, but when I see smart guys that I respect taking him in drafts a lot, uh, I got to change my mind a little bit because I'm not so stubborn to say that I'm this good at this and, uh, some of these guys are better at evaluating fantasy talent than I am probably. And, uh, 
So I got to be careful when I see good players drafting guys like Allen Robinson a lot. Um, so it got me involved to equal weight on him, you know, um, got a little bit involved in pits late, um, because of that same reason. Um, but generally the guys I was in on a lot were all busts this year. And the guys that I was in on, uh, even or neutral weight, um, I was even, you know, I didn't have big hits. I had big misses this year. And Mooney and Elijah Moore are at the forefront of that. Tough one. Tough one there with Mooney as well. Um, definitely an appealing guy. What about you, JD? Week 17 matchups, one like anyone, just even looking at them in the drafts, you know, uh, ca caused me to make mistakes, especially like big money tournaments, like the MTTs, we call them in poker, like the BBMs and the, the underdog tournaments, those type of thing, drafters. Uh, and offenses like the Colts and, and Denver. Like Denver was FOMO for me because it took me a while to jump on that. And then I kind of had that FOMO. And, and I know like a lot of my teams on drafters, I had to have those Denver stacks. And I mean, those are those were dead in the water, as I'm sure a lot of people. So I think just following the herd um, uh, hurt me this year more than specific individual players in those cases. Uh, Indy, I mean anyone and you know when you look at jt or Pittman, i know we got guys in the chat that mentioned Pittman uh hurt them uh so those are a couple other uh offenses and guys that that hurt me this year i got one last one before we move on uh probably the biggest one that i overlooked uh gabe davis uh it's amazing how many leagues that i have some still pending however this unfolds but it's amazing how many times you know going into the week i, I put a list together of the way you know, where I'm at and where I can get more money. And, and Gabe Davis somehow still involved in about 20 of these 59 scenarios for me. Um, and I don't even know how, but um, that, that was my biggest miss by far is Gabe Davis. So. Yeah, I think that maybe this, this offseason, maybe we should just take a look position by position, um, guys, about, you know, where a couple of these players really, really, you know, really really failed gabe davis i was in a draft where he was drafted ahead of tyree kill a high stakes draft where he was drafted like 14th overall 15th overall like wide receiver 14 wide receiver 13 it was he really steamed up so i think it would be interesting one this offseason how about waiver wire this was kind of an odd year on the waiver wire in terms of impactful guys um there was more guys that kind of helped you through a few weeks than a guy you know you'd really plug into the lineup andrew who was your waiver wire guy kind of take it any any way you want it could be a guy that you won um, with a well-calculated bid. Could be a guy that just helped you get through some weeks. Who was your most impactful waiver wire addition? Um, well, I'll go. I'll go Christian Watson. Um, he was dropped in a number of places, and I think that for those what, three weeks, middle of the season was that week seven, eight, nine, or whatever, whatever that was when he kind of popped there a little bit. I think that that was um, at least for some of my teams. Uh, the, the buoy right before the they ultimately ended up drowning, uh, not because of Christian Watson. It was just you know kind of rough overall. But I did I did enjoy the uh, the the bit of boost that he provided um, right uh, right when some teams needed it. How about you, Chad? Uh, Christian Watson's a good one. Um, that wasn't one that I had on my list, but I, I definitely got involved with him where I had the funds to do so. Uh, you know, after he came back and and. Uh, look good and, and so forth. But uh, 
I think uh, I think for this question for me, like you said, there's not big impacts, but in some formats that I play in, there were big impacts, and some of your listeners play in such formats where there's not your typical 20-man bench, um, you know, like we deal with at FFPC and NFFC. So, like, some of the smaller leagues, uh, people were dropping Walker when they were getting impatient with Penny, and I had – I identified that as a way for me to catch up on my ownership because I was way light on him uh, in the the twenty man bench type formats. Um, so I I did a good job of acquiring him on the cheap when he became available in any format that he did become available. And then at, in the in the more the the ten man type bench leagues, um, Dan said he hit on Jarek McKinnon. Jerick McKinnon's also a player that was dropped a lot, mm-hmm. and I was aggressively adding him every single time when when uh, he became available, um, including the biggest league I play in, the the NFFC 20K Platinum League. Um, he became available. I was very very aggressive to get him, and and uh, although I didn't really need him at the time, I did need him uh, at the end. So. Um, that's probably and then, and then uh, one other guy that comes to mind is Dion Jackson. He was very important. Um, and another guy that comes to mind that I both rostered from the get go and looked to acquire whenever he was dropped was P Ryan. Um, so I had a just a mega load of P Ryan when he finally got his opportunity to do his thing. And, and you know those weeks leading into the playoffs and. He honestly got a bunch of my garbage teams into the playoffs, cash some checks um, that I otherwise wouldn't have, and, and the teams suck in the races. But you know, made made me some good cash. So, yeah, those are it's definitely those guys are like this year's Dearness Johnson. They give you the weeks to get you through, um, and, and got you some RB one weeks. How about you, JD? Who was your biggest waiver wire addition? I got uh, Lat Murray gave us, uh, he was nice and cheap. I got him ahead of time, gave us two RB1 weeks and three RB2 weeks uh, for what you got him for. He was a, a perfect fill-in. Justin Fields, I picked up off waivers on the FFPC uh, at a pretty early before, like literally two weeks before the the, the huge breakout was just sitting there. Geno Smith, I uh, picked up to, to replace Dak in an FFPC. My boy Purdy helped me get the victory over Andrew in uh, Revelations uh, in the finals after Hertz went down. So I got to give a shout out to my boy Purdy. And then Taysom Hill, I think, yeah, we paid, we probably paid a lot of money for him in some leagues, but I think that was it recently he put up, he got me out of a week recently and he actually got me in uh, to a playoff just with uh, scoring that touchdown. So, you know, with how shitty the tight end position was this week. He'll give you a couple, you know, decent weeks where you're able to plug him in and, and he gave you something. Yeah, I think that this this is um just hearing your and your and Chad's answers, it's kind of like this was the year for for waiver wire grinders because there wasn't like that, you know, the the Christian Watson obviously was a little different, but it was more like I'm gonna get four great weeks out of this guy. And and it guys who really grinded were rewarded this year, and it's nice to see that. Um I'll say a hat tip to to Dan Williamson and and uh Glenn Lowy and Chad, um, Nelson Sousa, who I, I split some teams with, uh, who've gotten me over the years to think about these these very low-priced additions, you know, how impactful those guys can be. Zay Jones I was able to add in a bunch of leagues for like a dollar 
like really cheap after week one, like cheap, cheap addition, 5% or less. And he finishes his wide receiver 24. Um, so he might have not kind of stood out as the waiver wire out of the year. He's not Christian Watson, but a guy who could put in the flex and he did have some very big boom weeks. Um, finishes very the guy. Very yep. And I will say Geno Smith. Geno Smith was a guy that, you know, I was able to add and he ended up starting for me um in a number of leagues obviously it didn't finish very well but some of these teams were kind of knocking on the door or decent enough teams guy finishes he's like qb6 overall it's a wonderful story we i can't wait for the geno smith 30 for 30. you think you think he's there next year theo or you think they bring someone in i think seattle's gonna pay him i think he'll be their quarterback next year it's just a scarcity thing they finish almost in the playoffs or they'll be a playoff team and they're not gonna have access to the top you know they do have the high draft pick i just don't see it I just don't see it happening. I think that they're going to stick with Geno. Maybe they'll draft a bridge quarterback, but I think he's done enough, and I think they're close enough to, to being decent next year. Quarterback in uh, fantasy is going to get scary quick next year. I mean, there's yeah. a, it, it, at least during the early part of the offseason, there's a lot of questions about a lot of quarterbacks. So, I mean, you know, like Daniel Jones fitting comfortably in the top 12 is going to be a thing. Um you know, for a lot. Of I, I think with how significant they've become in making a difference in fantasy, we, we might have to put a whole show together for quarterbacks and how to approach it, uh, who to hold on to, right, going into next season, and who to who to maybe sell off. Yeah. What about so you? You, you guys hit most of my waiver yeah. wire ads. Um, I I would just throw out Juwan Johnson and uh, FFPC. Um, he definitely came through for me for a few weeks. Um, the Eagles defense was one that I hopped on early and was pretty productive throughout the season and and allowed me to you know just kind of maintain that one defense and not really do a lot of uh you know i i wasn't blowing waiver wire budget on defense where i had them uh who was your most surprising player in a positive way um and let's take josh jacobs off the table because i think we'd all agree that he was the 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 most surprising and the most impactful guy um, you know, in terms of where you drafted him and what you got, maybe start with Andrew for this one. I wasn't paying attention. I, I'm I'm replying okay. to Hog Butchers uh, about uh, P Ryan and Mixon, which I will just discuss now. P Ryan in the Super Bowl didn't dive after that that pass on fourth down, which is just such a lack of sense of the moment that I've never been able to get over that. A lot of Chris Evans uh, P Ryan arguments this past summer. Yeah. A lot of them. Um, yeah, Andrew. Andrew, what player? What player uh, kind of surprised you the most this year in terms of the 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 guys that had big fantasy impacts? Has to has to be positive. Oh, skip me, skip me. Let me think. Okay, so we'll skip go to Chad. Oh, thanks. I wasn't on anybody that had a positive surprise. So I'll, 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 I'll take this one. No, but you on. you mentioned you mentioned one earlier, Andrew. Christian Christian Watson is a guy for me that. <laughs> You know, you, you drafted him or you picked him up, and, and he, like, dude, was legit in your starting lineup every yeah. week as a touchdown machine. So, for me, the guy you mentioned earlier, Andrew, is a perfect example. Dan said he'd go first. I heard him yeah. say. I'll, I'll go first. We'll, we'll go around the opposite way so we can have uh, Chad and, <laughs> and uh, Shelly go last. So, uh, I'll throw out uh, Jamal Williams. I mean, I expected he would be a decent complimentary back, but I did not expect him to be – uh, you know, like a co-number one, and, and in many cases, actually the number one uh, for a lot of weeks in Detroit. Um, so for me, it's Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders told us not to draft him, and the guy goes out, and, and he's a like a top, top – he's a running back one, 
and he has 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns, and he's been, like, found money. He was, like, the I guess I'll take him type running back in a lot of these, like, eighth rounds, seventh rounds, uh, ninth rounds even sometimes. So I think I got him in the 10th round of an, of an OC during the, during the fall. Hmm. So hat tip to Miles Sanders. I'm never going to listen to your draft advice ever again in the summer. Um, how about you, J.D.? Can't not say Josh Jacobs. I mean, well, you, just you, can't, you have to go with somebody besides Josh Jacobs. It's the it's the easiest answer in the world. Hey, okay, that's my answer. You got you got to throw him out there. I mean, look, let's face it. Last last off season coming into the year, people were trying to sell him for whatever they could get for him. They thought he was done. He won leagues this year, man. You got to mention Josh Jacobs. I'll I'll give one on an order of magnitude. Uh, and I actually just responded to uh, to Sean's buddy Dom uh, about the draft board, their draft board. But uh, I wasn't completely fading Travis Kelsey. Oh, you but just... I had an. Oh, Chad! I still... <laughs> oh my God! We're going to run the horse. Yes. Oh fuck! I'm... Hey, Chad, you got this. I'm going to have to X-rate this thing. Lo uh, siento. That's what happens when you get me on. Love it. No, I just didn't think he had a, he'd he had a season that, uh, that he did, and clearly and I was wrong, and clearly the, the go Bills guys are right again. So, go ahead, Chad. Sorry for stealing from you. No, I, Kelsey was uh, was the first guy I was going to mention. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it seems like every time the more preseason games I watch, I do a, I, I get myself into trouble uh, more times than it's helped me the last several years. Um, so I got to just keep being more careful, but he looked very, very slow and overweight and sluggish in the preseason. And I neglected to remember that, that he's a veteran. He knows when he needs to have his body ready by, um, and the work he put in, in the three weeks leading up to the season from when he last participated in the preseason game was mind blowing. He, he looked faster and better than he did a year ago. Even even late in the year, that Chargers game a year ago during the playoff season to, I think to kick off the playoff season, he uh, had a huge game, but but he didn't look as fast as he did this year to me or is in shape. Um, it's a testament to him, and I have some of him at the FFPC, but it, that that blows my mind what he did, and and on that same front. Um, I wasn't a big Juju Smith-Schuster fan. Um, I, 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 and therefore, when you start looking at it, you don't like Kelsey, you don't like Smith-Schuster. How are you going to get on board with Mahomes? And so the whole Chiefs attack just kind of surprises me um, in, in general. And then, then a couple other guys that come to mind definitely are uh, that are more surprising than any of those Chiefs. Geno Smith, for sure. He's my quarterback on my 20K team. He has been since like week four or whenever I finally bid on him, got him. Um, and I got second place in that league with him as my quarterback um, the rest of the way. And uh, on that same front, Tyler Lockett surprises me that in general, I didn't think that offense would be all that functional. And then Amari Cooper is another one that surprises me. I didn't think that offense would be quite as functional as it was with Jacoby Brissett running the show. But he showed me something as a quarterback, and uh, I believe he definitely uh, is one of the best uh, 32 quarterbacks in the NFL and probably should be starting somewhere. 100%. 
how about on the on the opposite end? And this doesn't. We have already touched on a guy we re, we regretted drafting. Um, this doesn't necessarily have to be a guy you drafted. Um, I'll I'll take this one to start out. For me, it's Jonathan Taylor. I I was not drafting a ton of them, but I'm I was very surprised about the way the season went. You had the injuries, that's fine, but even when he was out there healthy, they had offensive line issues there, obvious issues at quarterback. The offense was vanilla, and Jonathan Taylor drops about. 10 points per game from last year to this year. He averages 13.2 points per game in PPR, um, which was pretty shocking for me. And I think he's kind of a polarizing guy for next year. I think he'll be a first-round pick, but I think there'll be a number of people that are kind of off that train. Dan, how about you um, for a guy maybe you were very disappointed in or surprisingly disappointed? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of injury-related, but uh, I'll throw out Rondell Moore. Uh, you know, we, we, we really thought that he might smash the first six weeks, you know, and he goes out first thing he does is he gets injured, you know, so the whole time, you know, if you, you know, one of the stacks you could get is you could get uh, Rondell Moore and, and, uh, Deandre Hopkins and, you know, with the idea of Moore is going to cover me the first six weeks and then Hopkins jumps in there and then we'll see what happens with Moore. And it just didn't work like that at all. Uh, and another one that was uh, very disappointing until the last few weeks, and he actually he, he actually did come on and help uh, help fantasy teams. If you if you could get into the uh, the final run with AJ Dillon, he he was worth starting. But uh, man, oh man, he, he he was dragging some teams down for sure. How about you, Andrew? I mean, I, just to make it quick. I think it's the second year wide receivers are disappointing. I know you already touched on Elijah Moore, but. Injury related again, Bateman. We've got no, we got nothing ah, out of Bateman in like, oh, years. Geez. That's and, what I was yeah. going to mention. Say his name, Andrew. This is a killer. So yeah. anyway, we we can move on quickly. But I just put it put in the. I mean, we had you know Devonta Smith and Waddle smash a second wide receiver. So that was great. Clearly, still a good bet. But it just it was really unfortunate that the uh, the Batemans and Elijahs didn't. So yeah, I, I, Kadarius Tony and Kadarius Tony in that oh, yeah. was steamed Thanks. up in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, wow. so I, I was gonna I was gonna mention uh, Bateman Andrew as well and uh, Daryl Henderson. You know, even just the Rams running game, I thought with you know Stafford maybe not throwing as much or Acres and and Henderson, both guys that just you know Acres the last few weeks, but probably on people's benches most mostly. What about you, Chad? These are great ones that, that and it's giving me PTSD going through. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should have included them earlier in the bust list, but wait, man, here we go. And another one you can add in there is Naheem Hines. Um, uh, I thought that he would have somewhat of a role in the offense and then some massive upside if Taylor gets hurt, hurt, finally gets the opportunity, and then he gets concussed the first play of the game. Um, One thing after another with this guy, I think I'm done at this point with him. Uh, Other than basketball. He went close to in in some of these high stakes leagues. He legitimately went close to Miles Sanders because he got steamed up because of the Frank Reich talking him up, saying to draft him. Oh, he went ahead of Miles Sanders plenty yeah. of times, and Josh Jacobs plenty of times as well. It's a, it's a it's a wild wild time. Uh, Uncle Andy mentions Deontay Johnson. Sorry, Theo. I know he's oh uh, he was pretty disappointed. Uh, Deontay was. Pour, pour one out for the Deontay Johnson. Uh, no, <laughs> Do I know Uncle Andy, by the way? All right, we can move on from there. But, yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, what about which which rookie impressed you the most? Uh, let's start with Dan. 
Uh, Garrett Wilson. Uh, I just wasn't really high on the Jets quarterback situation at all. Um, so I was I was impressed with how he did with uh, with what he had to work with. Andrew, uh, you know what Alave? I think uh, you know when people think about. Uh, sorry, damn, damn it, Chad. No, go ahead. Right, you, no, I, when people talk about age models and the high the, the Ohio State wide receivers, I think he was certainly less less heralded. I think that people saw the allure of Garrett Wilson early. I think that faded late, Dan, um, especially in that varsity where what we got him like you know, fairly late, 13th round. So he kind of ebbed and yep. flowed, but I just don't think that there was ever just like this, like, yeah, we absolutely know that a lobby is going to smash. He was just a better pick than a uh, name comes to mind because of uh, the, the chat and Russell Gage. Uh, but, you know, you obviously take a lobby every time over uh, Russell Gage, but I just don't think I, I ended up uh, expecting him to do so well before uh, kind of he faded down the stretch with injury and just the Saints uh, uh, offense overall. But I was really impressed with the lobby this year. Chad, I, I would. I mean, those guys literally took the two guys I was going to mention. Uh, but I also wanted to just mention the obvious. Uh, Brees Hall was uh, yep. incredible, um, and I didn't have a lot of him. And and it'd be curious to know how much worse my season would have turned out if uh, if he hadn't gotten hurt. Um, so, but he he was the obvious one, but. Uh, as far then you have to go to wide receiver and and uh, the, the, these two just nailed it. my thoughts. Um, Alave is just so slick, um, just an incredible route runner and uh, and obviously they're doing something right at Ohio State, teaching their guys the whole route tree and these guys are all just seem to be complete receivers. Um, Garrett Wilson, Alave, um, it, uh, they're doing a good job there and. Uh, you want to go a little deeper to uh, – I also was kind of impressed with the speed of Shahid. Um, he kind of showed a little something late for a guy that I don't – wasn't drafted, I don't believe, or, or very late, one or the other. Yeah. Weber State. Weber State. Damian Lillard and uh, Rashid Shahid. Um, uh, J.D., how about you? Yeah, I like the Pacheco uh, uh, mentioned by Sean. Uh, Watson for me, I mean, with the, with, you know, with the quarterback situation in New York, like Dan said, is, is kind of the biggest, the obvious one. And we talked about Christian Watson, Damian Pierce actually surprisingly in Houston, uh, showed us, you know, put some, uh, some decent, uh, quarterback action there. And, and maybe he's, he's got, uh, you know, something for fantasy land at, at the running back position, but I think Watson at probably the biggest one, um, and, um, Wilson in New York. Yeah, I think Chad kind of nailed it. I was going to bring up Brees Hall. It was I think that if there's a chance that if he would have stayed healthy, he would have been like a top three or four pick uh, in redraft next year. Um, just based. What about on Walker, the- guys? What about Walker? Theo was he was he surprised uh, well, to you or? No, I mean Walker. Walker was was fantastic at times, but I think for me it was Garrett Wilson. I mean, we all talked talked about it. I think it's kind of a low hanging fruit, but he's tremendous. Oh, Algier, Algier, yeah, Algier, yeah. looking good. Algier's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we forgot about that. Well, Thanks, and Todd. Garrett Wilson too. I mean, you know, we picked him up in the 13th round in that varsity because, uh, you know, he was supposedly the third string wide receiver in uh, in New York going into the season. You remember that one? That was that yeah. Was, that was we, that was we some had, good humor. Yeah, 100. percent There was. Um, you know, people really mis- misread that situation, and I think that's a, you know, a big lesson from from uh, the summer. Is Garrett Wilson had more draft capital than Elijah Moore? He had higher draft capital than Elijah Moore. 
He had a better college career. I mean, Moore was fantastic, don't get me wrong. But Garrett Wilson was one of the best receivers ever at Ohio State. And I think people just kind of misread that situation. I know we did. So I think that's some like a lesson learned uh, type thing. Quickly around the horn, if you could roster one rookie from this class for, for the next 10 years of redraft, forget Dynasty, who would it be? We'll start with the overhyped sleeper for this one. I mean, I, I kind of took this as it, it's like a guy who didn't break out yet, but I think it's sure to break out, uh, Traylon Brooks. Or good call. I like yeah. that a lot. And I like yeah. I like the, the pivot because I was going to say Garrett Wilson, but now I have to think of one. But I'm going last, so that's good. Andrew, Andrew, no, you go. A, that, that's a great that's – if we're, if we're going not break out yet, because uh, he should have flashed. I think Theo promised me at one point this season that he was 15 points a game for the rest of the season. Uh <laughs> No, but uh, no, I, I think I think it's I think it's Brooks. I think that's a great call. Yeah, I I could have been correct on that because we remember he went down <laughs> with the. No, I know. It's right before he got That train was yeah. headed, headed that there. I'm not taking an L on that. Literally, literally one one catch for what like 50 yards and it was a touchdown. And then he was out for three weeks. And he looked so good doing it. It was like the first play of the game, first drive of the game. Is is Jameson in the the conversation yeah. in Detroit? It's Traylon Brooks for me. Not not until it gets to be your turn. Chad, <laughs> <laughs> what? Who, 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 how about how about any rookie? Uh, you know, keeping this going. No, I was going to mention Williams, like JD just did, but uh, but I'll, I got one more just in case somebody mentioned him um, at the tight end position. I think McBride uh, is going to be. I think he's in a good spot where they're not going to use draft capital to get other people. I think they'll leaving him you know to an extent and i think he's a pretty good player so um not that most exciting uh, as some of these other guys you guys are mentioning um but him and uh, williams from detroit are uh were who i was gonna say as, as off the radar kind of guys and jd williams is yours yeah i mean uh, of names that maybe we, we didn't mention prior to that it, it'd probably be, be james Start with Chad on this one. Who is your NFL coach of the year? And you could take this as who could get the award or maybe the guy you thought who did the best job with what he had. So I actually kind of looked at the odds when I saw this question on the on your ledger there uh, to just kind of give perspective on how I wanted to answer it. And I, I don't think that uh, – I didn't really come to a very good conclusion. Um, I think that if push comes to shove, I'd have to say Sirianni, but um, I don't think that just the fact that the Vikings wins are all fluky and, and they weren't expected to be all this great. Um, I think O'Connell deserves more consideration than 40 to one versus Sirianni at 1.25 to one. I think it's closer than that. Um, I'll say that, but it, um, like, who's to? Are we supposed to judge what's fluky and what's not here? I don't know, um, and I don't think there's a standout one. I mean, you could also consider Dable; he's done a pretty good job, albeit that some of that's been some fluky wins as well. So I, I, I don't think there's a clear-cut answer this year. And you could also throw in Shanahan from San Francisco, mixing these quarterbacks around and and not really missing a beat. Um, those would be the four that would be at my top of my list. JD, your coach of the year. 
I think he nailed the, the the four, but I think the only one I'd add to that is probably Doug Peterson uh, turning around the uh, Andrews Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, you know, now we see kind of the true talent, right, with some of these players, and that's what you want to see uh, a coach do is bring out the best in his players. So I think if, if that's what you're looking at, he's definitely done that uh, in Jacksonville. So I'll keep it fantasy fantasy related, and I'll say thank you, thank you to Mike McDaniel because – we got this the most beautiful target share we've ever seen, the most consolidated t- uh, t- uh, target tree we've ever seen. I wish every NFL coach was was like McDaniel. Um, he he had like an over fifty percent uh, of the Dolphins' targets went to Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle. It was it was a beautiful beautiful thing. So I will give him uh, you know my most impressive coach just based on that target tree. How about you, Dan? I'll throw out Andy Reid. Um, you know the the Chiefs' offense was kind of floundering last year. And they get rid of Tyreek Hill, and uh, you know the offense is just absolutely hitting on all cylinders. So, love, love uh, the job Andy Reid's done. Andrew, is there any other answer from me than Doug Peterson? I mean, Absolutely. first of all, he he replaced Urban Meyer, <laughs> no talent ass clown that he is. And uh, <laughs> the biggest complaints from Eagles fans about Peterson was. Throws the ball too much, goes for two too much. And those are the two things that I love the most in the world. <laughs> so he is the uh, best coach for me and my uh, my clearly in the near term uh, multi-time Super Bowl winning Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. Three wins to eight wins. Pretty good right yeah, there. Not done yet, Theo. And one, a very big one for you this week, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm going. Dan, yes, the answer is on. I'm going. Yes, that's true. Thanks, Dan. Which nice, nice. Which assistant? <laughs> quickly, quickly around the horn. Which which uh, which assistant coach needs to uh, you know get a gold watch and retire or hit the road jack? Um, which 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 NFL coach is is, uh, is not on the the uh, Williamson household Christmas card list? Uh, yeah, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury got a, a talking full of coal from me. So that's that's my pick. Andrew? Uh, McVeigh, for his own sake, he's way too attractive and has too attractive of a uh, girlfriend slash wife to be doing this to himself. Take a year off. Um, this is this is more like a mercy killing than is anything else. He's going to start looking like Mike Zimmer if he keeps it up. Yeah, no, no thank you. Got to keep him looking good. And to clarify, Andrew, is that you're confused whether it's his girlfriend or wife or he does he have a girlfriend and a wife? No, confusion. I, I don't keep up with uh, McVeigh's personal life, but she's attractive nonetheless. Attractive okay. to stands is called her relationship to him uncertain <laughs> what about you chad which uh which coach would you like to see off the sidelines next next year i i i i just uh don't like seeing the confused look in rome uh lovey smith's face every time i watch a game i just somebody put this guy out of his misery already illinois certainly improved without uh lovey smith as yes, well in the college ranks so uh that's that's a good one what about you jd does Bobby Slowick get any credit in San Fran for for that offense? I don't know. Is he is um, he isn't he the OC or am I getting am I no, getting for, the names for, wrong? For which for which coach which co- is there a head coach you'd like to see get uh, get fired? Oh, a head coach get fired? Ah, oh, easy for me, man. Jeff Saturday, right there. <laughs> I mean, I love Jeff Saturday, but I don't want him coaching my NFL team. You don't want to see that on your Colts next year, JD. And I'll say for me, I've, I've been very vocal about my criticism of Arthur Smith, how you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London 
uh, and you can't get stuff out of him um, was very, very disappointing. Although, you know, he did did have some Tyler Algier production down the stretch and and uh, won more games than, than, I, than I thought he would this year. Um, what about an, a, an assistant coach you think deserves a head coaching job, Dan? <laughs> um, give me, I think, Shane Steichen, uh, offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Um, he... He was a guy who was around when uh, when Justin Herbert was developed in uh, for his his rookie year in uh, San Diego, I guess it was at the time, and uh, also developed uh, Jalen Hurts. So I, I I think the guy is definitely a quarterback whisperer, puts together good offenses. So um, I, I I like what I'm seeing there. I'd like to to see him up at the next level. Yeah, two two, two notes because I agree with you, Dan. One, I think he got the year of Anthony Lynn off of him. Because you're right, he had he had Herbert now Hurts, and so I think that that's great for him being under Sirianni. And then two, if you really want to know, I think Connor Orr Connor Orr from uh, SI did a good article on uh, Steichen uh, too. I think uh, middle of December, so good article on him. I'm all on uh, all on him. But you, Chad, I I know that nobody was going to take this one, so I could have gone last. But uh, Lou Anaramo from Cincinnati. Um, extremely underrated defensive coordinator um they uh they're obviously a high octane offense and they play in some high scoring games but this man can make adjustments with the best of them in game and you saw in the playoffs last year and i expect you'll see it again this year um in the playoffs uh just because he's working with a little less talent and they're playing on a high octane offense and give up more points than some of these other guys, this guy can flat out coach defense. Um, so off the radar one for me. JD. Um, I mean, maybe Frazier, the Bills defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's he's clearly uh, doing a great job out there in Buffalo and maybe Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn. And, and does he get a, another chance at, at head coach? I think he'll be, I think he'll be, get a lot of interviews and I think he'll get some, some consideration. I think there's a good chance he could, for me, it's Ben Johnson. We talked about him on the goat district a lot. Um, it's the Detroit lions, uh, offensive coordinator. We actually had, um, Dayo and Chris and Abib from, uh, first and 15. And we talked about him earlier in the year about that early impact when Jared Goff was lighted up, but they're, fifth overall in scoring points per game. They're fourth overall in, in yardage, total yardage. Uh, the Lions offense has just been a machine this year, and I think uh, he, he's a, a very, very sharp guy. Um, wanted to keep this going. What is a player you're looking to have a, to take a big step forward in production in 2023? We touched on Traylon Burks, but this doesn't have to be a, a younger player, a player that you really anticipate having either a bounce back or a breakthrough. Let's start with Dan on this. Okay. How, Chad, are we doing okay on time? I can stay on as long as you want. I told you that as well, long don't, as you... Don't tell us that. <laughs> we'll put you to sleep, Chad, on the show. I'll just get a little right. more inebriated as we go here. All right. There you go. All right. All right. We're, we're in then. Okay. Um, I'll go uh, James Cook. Uh, I think he's got a great opportunity for him in Buffalo next year. Um, I don't think they'll spend a lot on a running back, though. Free agency is always a danger. Andrew, is it bad to go back to the Brandon Ayuk well for this question? 
I just <laughs> no. I, I I I swear I believe in his talent. I think that if they get like a quarterback that can d- distribute the ball, I think that he's way more of the the vertical explosive threat than Debo is. And I I know the show in general loves Debo. I I don't think I'm fully on the Debo train. I think that Ayuk is a is a better wide receiver. So uh, if I could take one that's kind of like way off the board, um, looking for that big money hit with a lotto ticket uh, for this answer, I, I think I'm going to the uh, the Ayuk bucket. Chad, I've never been on when Schellenberg's been on. I don't think, but I think great minds think alike, man. You're, you're... I, hey, I'm Chad. I'm Doing putting that one on my resume. Guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> gonna be that's gonna be it's gonna be on his Twitter profile. Chad Schroeder said that we are we both have you know like minded opinions. That'll that's be right. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I wasn't necessarily gonna say Iuk, but just in general, I, I respect your thoughts tonight i'm not really familiar with you and and i really appreciate your insight tonight so. no worries i'm more of a, i'm more of a comedian than uh smart about fantasy football chad so that's just don't don't mind me <laughs> but but anyway um i'm gonna thread the needle a little bit here i'm gonna mention two names um one i think i'm gonna be back on gabe davis next year i think that um He's going to have um, – he's still got spike weeks in him, and I think that they'll happen more next year. And I, I think that even if they bring in – I might be in on him more if they bring in another adequate receiver um, that might free him up even a little bit more. But the main one is uh, Deontay Johnson. Um, I think that they're going to let Pickett play a little bit more next year. Um, this year, you know – He's been kind of a game manager, and I think that was kind of a mistake on Pittsburgh's part. I think they should have kind of ripped the bandaid off and let him play a little bit. I don't, you know, even if they make the playoffs, they're not going anywhere, and it was a long shot anyway for them to make it. I think they should have let him let it rip a little bit more and play, but it's neither here nor there. But I think Deontay Johnson's an extremely talented receiver, one of the best route runners in the game, scored zero touchdowns this year. Um, I think he's going to be a guy I'm going to be all over next year if the ADP is where I kind of expect it to fall in. But you, JD, I'm going to go to Chicago, man. I'm going to go back to Justin Fields and 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 Dan's boy Cole Komet. I mean, I want to see what they do. They finally figured out how to use the quarterback. Now I feel like they're going to set him up more. Obviously, going in next season, maybe surround him with better weapons that fit him uh better and and that relationship between Komet and and fields for me is huge and, and i think we're just going to see that evolve even more uh into next season um yeah i, li- I like the the duo out there in uh, chicago dan yeah i'll go with i think um well actually i already did james cook uh, oh, I'm, I apologize. Yeah, I, I, we're, we're out of order. Which was a great one, by the way, Dan. Answer it again, Dan. It was so good. We want to hear it again, Dan. Technical <laughs> difficulties for me moving myself around the uh, the, the, the queue. Um, for me, it's Trevor Lawrence. I think that he took a massive step forward. And I think next year they get Calvin Ridley. Um, he'll be another year acclimated to the Doug Peterson offense. You know, Zay Jones was a free agent signing. Evan Ingram was a free agent signing. Christian Kirk was a free agent signing. Travis Etienne is de facto rookie. Andrew is projecting Quentin Johnson, uh, the TCU wide receiver, to also be a Jags wide, uh, draft pick this year. And, and Andrew's, uh, you know, you know, pretty linked in down there in uh, in, in Duval. So 
I'm looking for Trevor Lawrence to kind of be like, he's not quite the the elite drafted tier of guys, but I think if you're willing to wait a little bit, he might have a big a big year next year. Um, I'm very very bullish on him. How about the opposite end of the coin? It's it's a little early. We don't have any ADP at this point. But what's a player that you could really see being a reg- as a regression candidate next year? Uh, why don't we start with Chad on this one? Uh, regression candidates. Uh, so some of them, some that come to mind are, are some of the Jacksonville receivers. Uh, I could see like Zay Jones and Christian Kirk being drafted a little bit too too heavy for some of the reasons you just mentioned. Um, those are some later ones. Um, I still think that at some point the, the rug's going to get pulled under Kelsey and it's like musical chairs. Eventually that chair is not going to be there. And I don't know when that's going to happen, but I can definitely see that happening, uh, at any point. Um, then you just have to look at guys, uh, they, they kind of had things fall in their lap uh, playing time-wise. Um, just be careful on guys like Pierce um, that aren't generational talents. Um, that you, um, but I don't have I don't have a lot of great answers here, but I, uh, those are a few that come to mind. J.D., who are you most scared to? Who are you most scared to? I might um... – I mean, we're talking about Christian Watson a few times. He's just really TD heavy. So anytime someone's really TD heavy, you you like that he's a, a rookie and he's growing with with Rodgers. But let's face it, Rodgers isn't young. Um, maybe maybe this is a good time to get out of it uh, with regards to, to Watson, just because he is a little heavier um, on the TDs than I'd like than than the uh, targets. Watson's going to be kind of the Gabe Davis, I think, of uh, uh-huh. next year. He's I going agree. To be steamed, steamed up high in drafts for kind of the exact same reason. Yeah. I, I, I was with Chad on this one. I had uh, Christian Kirk as my primary guy that I was going to say, uh, you know, kind of exactly for those reasons. We know we've got, uh, you know, there's a good chance uh, Calvin Ridley's going to be, uh, you know, unsuspended and maybe even actually playing next year. And you know, I don't. I don't think that the the Jags are going to shy away from taking wide receivers in the draft either. So, uh, I definitely see that. But just to say something different, I'll say, uh, you know, I have down Jamal Williams, but I don't know. I mean, I think if he stays in Detroit, he might he might keep pretty much exactly the same job he's had. So if he goes elsewhere, um, I don't know. But I think if he can. If he can stick in Detroit, and I think they might want him back, uh, you know that might not be the best best pick. He still won't get that many touchdowns, though. So. No, yeah, that's true. That's true. He was a perfect storm this year with all those opportunities from the one yard line. They were like magic for him. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll take it with a, a higher profiler guy and a guy that I'm not. I'm not like I don't think he's going to bust, but he'll be a guy that I'll be worried about drafting as Cooper Cup. He was 22 points per game this year. I just have big reservations about that Rams offense next year. I know they really struggled this year. I'm not 100% what's going to happen with Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that there's you know questions with McVay. I'll, I'll say like for, for early best ball drafts, I'm going to try to avoid uh, Cooper Cup. 
he will he'll settle in somewhere around like 10th overall uh 11th overall but i think there'll be maybe guys that are a little bit more appealing to me um you know when i'm drafting in those spots andrew uh quick jaguars divergence which everybody loves um my preferred (laughs) wide receiver room is wide receiver one insert your rookie here i know theo we talked about quinton johnston earlier today at wide receiver 2.5 and yes i'm being purposeful with the 0.5 ridley if he does come back which i know uh harry snowman just mentioned and then every insult that i absolutely mean it to be as our two wide receiver 3.5s i've got christian kirk and zay jones even though we're paying kirk as a one i just don't think he is and i just think that that room absolutely needs like a true one because of the rust with uh ridley and i just dude no, no pun intended. Kirk and Zay Jones are true Jags, um, ju- you know, ju- just a guys. So um, would would love to see some actual uh, talent in that room. Uh, so anyway, that's my quick Jaguars uh, divergence there. Um, agreed. Lots of uh, lots of uh, regression. Um, Theo, one guy we haven't we haven't mentioned that I'm just curious to get. I know we we want to get chat out of here. Uh, Pickens in uh, in Pittsburgh. We haven't mentioned him tonight. Where are you on him? Do you guys see this uh, escalating? I see Chad shaking his head. Is this uh, get out and avoid? Where are you at, Chad, on Pickens in uh, Pittsburgh? Uh, I think he's going to be overdrafted. Uh, people are going to think he's the the co number one there, along with Deontay. And to my eyes. Deontay is way better. Um, I've also seen stats where uh, on I saw some stat the other day where on catchable passes, his yards per target are, is like nine. You know, it was very very low. Um, whatever the stat was, it indicated that the guy just flat out doesn't get open. A lot of his air yards are, are un catchable targets that are being thrown away etc was the point of the stat that i saw and he, he just isn't getting open and that's what my eyes saw um he can go up and make unbelievable catches that few others can we all know that and theo is does great at showing the training camp highlights of those there's plenty of george pickens training camp. I, I'll, I'll say that your your point is a really good one because Anytime you see a guy having to make these really acrobatic or unbelievable catches, that's not always a good thing for fantasy um, because like a guy like Deontay Johnson gets open so naturally. Uh, George Pickens doesn't really seem to like, I'll agree with you. He doesn't seem to get wide open. So people say, why is he not getting more targets? Um, There's a little bit of a give and take with that. So I would say like, he's like a C for me for, for what we had for the rookie year. Cause we saw the flashes I'm not like looking to abandon ship in dynasty. And I will say that the one argument for him next year is I do think he'll have big, big touchdown upside because I think he could be a red zone type monster. But in terms of long-term career, getting, you know, multiple wide receiver one seasons, a high wide receiver two, I don't really see that as an outcome. Andrew or Dan, anything to share about Pickens? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely want to see a different offensive coordinator there. Um, you know their their offenses. It's Matt Matt Canada, it's, it's, another non Williamson household uh, oh holiday man. card. Canada, guy. yeah, Canada. It, don't take this wrong, JD, but Canada needs to go. Uh, <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I love it. USA all the way, right there. Yeah, I wish Pickens uh, rhymed more with Higgins this year than he did Galladay. Yeah, so the exactly. T-shirts, so, Andrew, what are yeah, you going to do I, with I, the I, garage full of T-shirts, Andrew? Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm going to send them back to the printer. Say they met the printer messed them up. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, you know, it, it's like all those uh, super, you know Super Bowl shirts for the losing team. You know that, that say Super Bowl champs. They're uh, you know they're going to to clothe clothe kids in other continents that need them. You know where they will never appear in uh, in the U.S. So a hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that I think that's what we agreed. Now, guys, what is your biggest lesson you learned as a fantasy player this season? Take it any way you want. Why don't we save Chad for last on this one? Um, Dan, any big lesson you learned? Well, a couple, and they're, they're sort of related. One is, you know, I, I want to break my tendencies when drafting more often. You know, I, I, I kind of tend to fall into to patterns where I'm drafting, you know, not necessarily similar teams, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of taking a lot of wide receivers in particular rounds, and then I'm not taking as many running backs and, and things like that. I'd like to mix that up a little bit more because um, I, I think it does cost me from time to time. And, and just overall, um, you know, I, I think a good dose of humility is, is always important when you're evaluating players. Um, you know, because even if you get the evaluation exactly right, uh, you, know, you still have to take into the account, you know, if this player goes down with an injury in, you know, week three or week five or whatever, it doesn't matter if you were right or wrong. Uh, you know, if you've, if you've backed up the truck and you've got 40% of them or 30% or something like that, uh, you, you could put yourself in a world of hurt. I'll say for me, the, the biggest lesson um, is preseason running back usage. I think that it's, we saw it with, with Josh Jacobs this year where he was used in the Hall of Fame game. Everybody kind of freaks out. Um, I think certain coaches do want to see guys get reps in the preseason. Um, and I think that NFL coaches view the preseason very differently. Certain guys view it view it with, um, you know, in a different scope than others. And I think that that's one for me. And I'll say Najee Harris, you know, didn't have a, 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 a huge season fantasy production-wise, but volume-wise, he was right there. And Mike Tomlin put him out there when he was, you know, quote unquote injured as well. So, um, you know, we saw multiple coaches do this, um, and I think that we need to take the the the, the preseason with more with a, with a grain of salt. Andrew, yeah, don't uh, don't take Kyle Pitts and stand up at auctions and stare people down when you're going to take Kyle Pitts. Mad dog them, um, right? Yikes! Um, that was one of the best scenes in all of Vegas. Yeah, no doubt about um, it. I'm I'm gonna have to consider uh, whether I'm gonna join that league next year. I'm just gonna get roasted. No, I'm definitely. I'll, I'll be back. Never, never back down. Me, Andrew. Never back down. Me to the draft. Never back down. Um, gosh, I mean, I I can't tell if I believe in this one yet. But what I'm toying with in my head is is the answer at tight end in FFPC leagues, Kelsey or nobody. Like, right? I think like this year we were saying maybe it's Kelsey Andrews Pitts. What Kittle Waller? Or, Hawkinson or next year, Andrew Hawkinson. What? Is it again? It's TJ Hawkins' season oh, already. God. Uh, anyways, I yeah, I think yeah, I think it might be Kelsey or nobody. I think they, they. I mean, there's a great point. I mean, I think that I'd rather be taking like the, the, the. There's gonna be a shit ton of young running backs in those first three rounds. Uh, there's gonna get all all these still sexy wide receivers, the second year breakouts, the third year guys that we liked. Um, some rookie wide receivers that are coming. I think that those first few rounds are going to be chock full of really interesting skill players. 
And I, I just, anyways, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of, of if my lesson is it's, it's I just get a couple Kelsey teams and then take a bunch of, you know, late uh, ninth, 10th, whoever flyers and just hope to piece it together enough. So anyways, just, I think I'm toying with the tight end idea from this year. JD, we'll save Chad for last. Any big lessons you learned? Running back age, just like tight end, doesn't matter. That's number one. Number two, similar to Dan, just player ownership and roster build, mixing it up, mixing it up a bit more. Yes, my Kittle call at the end of the season was huge. Thank you, Toronto Dave. Um, and then the last one is ignore any regular season matchup anything. I don't care if it's week four, week seven, week 10. We don't know shit like we say on this show often. So don't try to build your rosters around certain matchups during the season. I will never do that again. That's all, that's all I got, Theo. Chad, this season, what, what's a, the, your biggest takeaway or lesson learned? Okay, so I forgot to bring a notepad to write down a couple. <laughs> but there was a couple follow-ups that, that I think were, are very good that I could provide for both your and Dan's uh, lead-in to this. But I need to have Dan just very briefly refresh my memory on what your yours was. So, yeah, I said, uh, you know, number one, breaking tendencies and drafts more often, uh, you know, so I'm, and then uh, just humility is a, a good thing when you're evaluating players. Uh, recognize you can be wrong, recognize they can. Be oh, better. yeah. OK, there we go. OK, yeah. so so I'll start with the follow up to Dan's. Um, humility is a very good thing, and it's one of the strengths of mine. Um, I consider my peers to be better than I am at. at evaluating figuring all this out that's why i start in august and then i go from there and start learning my way around now what what dan said uh i learned this lesson back when i believe it was danny woodhead in san diego and, and correct me if i'm wrong but i think he was backing up melvin gordon hmm. that's correct yeah. right yeah yep. i believe so first year so, gordon so I was kind of high on Gordon back then and very low on Woodhead as a result of that. But then as the high stakes draft started approaching, I started thinking to myself, well, what happens if I'm naked on Woodhead and Gordon gets hurt? We don't, we, we, I, I tend to always think of it from the standpoint of uh, what happens if I, if I'm on Gordon, but I don't think of it from the reverse perspective. Like this year, a bad example because uh, I don't know if it would have translated exactly the same way, but like, for instance, Naheem Hines, I think he went where he went because if something happened to Taylor, all of a sudden he'd be some sort of beast. And maybe he would have if he hadn't got concussed. We'll never know. But you got to also keep in mind about being naked on the, the, the second guy in these backfields even if you don't believe in that guy um the same you got to approach that the same way as you do being in a certain position on the the front guy leading that backfield or you can get yourself into reverse trouble um by not having league winners um so that was my thought on dan's and then on theo's uh just for briefly it was basically the the preseason preseason usage yes yes yep. yes so i learned a lesson a long time ago um 
when I when I watched uh, Marion Barber play in a preseason game for Dallas. Um, I remember that. He played the entire first half of the game, didn't leave the field once, right? Um, that doesn't happen really these days anymore. But everybody just automatically assumed, including myself, that that's the way the usage pattern is going to go when the season starts. Well, that's not the way the usage pattern is going to go when the season starts. Um, to bring it to this current year, I got in an argument with a with, and I don't consider it an argument, but I, when Adam Leviton from Establish the Run, who I respect greatly, um, showed some video clips of ATN in the preseason and gave his stats and how he was used in one quarter of the football game, I reminded him of that Marion Barber situation that I saw and learned from a long time ago. So this doesn't mean that even if Robinson comes back healthy week one, that he's going to get this type of usage. Many, many times in the preseason, the coaches want their backs, and I'm talking specifically for running backs here, they want their running backs to get utilized in all facets of the game. So they work them through the rotation, not necessarily how they're going to be used in the preseason. They get their reps in all situations out of the way and then go on to the next guy. It's it's pre-constructed and it has nothing to do with how they're going to be used in the regular season. Um, so that's just something that when, when – Theo brought that up. It came to my mind, and I, I uh, am pretty sure I'm right that people should be very, very careful when it comes to running back usages in the preseason about not reading too much into them. Now, you, you, you wanted to say something there, Theo? I no, I, I'm, I, th I thought that was great. And if you had any any other lessons? Yes. Now, now for my own thoughts that I that I had written down for this for this season from what I learned. Um, what I learned this season um, is that th this too deep zone is causing problems for a lot of offenses, and there's a lot of low, lower scoring games this year. Um, and what I've also learned is that the offenses that are succeeding consistently are led by elite quarterback play. and. It's not as safe to assume as it used to be that there's going to be this somewhat constricted uh, area from the top to the 18th quarterback that they're going to be all fairly concise and the quarterback position is not important anymore. I saw it firsthand that it is important right now. Look at how many Mahomes teams are winning leagues right now. Um, and look at teams that like me that drafted Kaepernick and then moved on to Carson Wentz when he looked like he might be something. And, and then move on to Teddy Bridgewater when Tua gets hurt and he gets zero. And all of a sudden, I'm 120 points behind in that league. <laughs> Before he, after four weeks, at just one position, you know. Um, this two deep safety is going to be here to stay, in my opinion, for the foreseeable future until somebody figures out a way to, to solve it. And the only people that have been able to figure out a way to solve it right now are these elite quarterbacks, most of which seem to be able to run. Um, so for the foreseeable future, I'm gonna try to 
structure my draft plan to get one of these guys. And that's not something I usually do. And then use my skill that I think I have to make up for that early quarterback pick throughout the rest of the draft. Um, because I found that I, the, the skill that I think I have, it was useless when I couldn't even come close at the quarterback position this year. So that, that's, I, that's maybe the most impactful thing you've said this entire podcast, Chad, because I think that we've had a number of. Well, I haven't said anything very impactful. No, that was incredible. That was an incredible uh, yeah. comment because we've been we've been trying to, to we've been really really um trying to, to nail down. down which way the quarterback position is going, um with especially with our really successful high stakes guests. I mean, we had Chris Vaccaro basically said the same thing you said that if you just would have had one of these elite quarterbacks, like you brought up your Elijah Moore pick, if you could have traded that for one of these elite QBs. Um, you know, how Jalen Hurts versus Elijah Moore type thing. Um, having the elite QB, um, it's something that I think more and more very successful players are going to go for next year and where we're going to see some of these quarterbacks being drafted in the second round next year because of that. Um, so I think that was that was an, kind of an awesome, awesome takeaway from you. I appreciate it. Definitely. So guys, this has been uh, this has been a big one, man. We we knew it'd be a big one, but uh, Chad has been even more generous with his time and and his goodness. Uh, Chad, it's always a pleasure and an honor to have you on talking fantasy with you, especially this time of year. We get to reflect and, and kind of look forward. Uh, JD, I, I do think we do maybe have one more question for Chad. Oh, uh, we do. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. From from Andrew. Um, it's all you, brother. Hey, Chad, there's no way that the Bill Bill guys are still here. But if they are, we'll get this clip to them. We're going we're gonna to clip this shit, J.D., and send it directly to them. Chad, the Go Bills guys, due to the FFPC decision and their skill, have now won the main event back-to-back years. Now, the interesting thing about this year, Chad, is uh, they sat in the 12-hole for their winning draft to my 11-seat. Uh, oh, wow. I took Saquon and let them get uh, Travis Kelsey at 112, <laughs> wow. uh, which, which wow. basically won it for them. You know, all thanks to me. No, no problems there. Chad, my question for you with that preamble is how much is too much to send them a Venmo request for, for my behalf? <laughs> what, what's an unreasonable number for me to be sending them for that request? <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. Hundred bucks, twenty bucks, ten thousand bucks. Like, what's let's let's. let's I, I let's, think you got to ask for a ten percent chop on that. That's yeah, I I agree. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got an idea. How, I got much an, you to, how much does the 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 guy that got second have to send you a Venmo request for? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know that when that guy goes to sue, he's gonna find me and not FFPC. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the, the percentage points he gave your team, Andrew. That's what I. That's yes. my answer. Whatever oh, points man. he scored for your team, that's what you're gonna so ask him. Good. All right. All right. That's, that's my last nonsense question. Guys, this is. Yeah, this has been a blast. It's been a big, big, a big. We're been a big one. We're at a buck forty almost. Uh, so we don't want to keep dragging this. The the chat and the audience. You guys were awesome tonight. Thanks for showing up live. Uh, if you're listening to this. Post, post live, uh, make sure you subscribe so you can catch us and catch us on Spotify, all your podcast platforms. Guys, we're coming hard all off season. We never slow down. This is just the beginning. We got playoff challenges that we're going to focus on coming up. We've got a bunch of 
heavy hitters like we always do, Theo, coming up uh, as we roll into the offseason. Guys, this is the, the time of the year as we go into the offseason where we can get a little more creative and we're not so nailed down to a schedule with, with uh, you know, the NFL playing every week. So let us know your thoughts, guys. Drop in the comments on Twitter. You, you see our handles on the, on the screen there. Let us know what you want us to talk about. We're here for you guys. We're here to help you guys win uh, all offseason and the playoffs. Guys, this has been a blast. Chad always brings the goodness. Theo, awesome job as usual. Uh, rocking the questions. Anything you guys want to give the peeps uh, our first show before we close this out, guys? Anybody? No, I will say that um, I will say that we're, the dynasty people do not want to miss next week because we'll have Matt Hicks on in the district giving us his top 12 rookies. Um, it'll be one of the first rookie shows coming out. Um, he's going to – Matt is, is as sharp as it gets when it comes to, uh, into – young players and uh, rookie talent in the league. He's been on the GOAT district a number of times. Um, he'll be de de uh, debuting his top 12 uh, for rookie drafts early. And he'll also be talking about this quarterback class, the, the Bryce Youngs, the CJ Strouds, um, and how he views the position. Lots coming up, guys. Make sure you subscribe so that you're not missing any of the GOATness. Appreciate all you guys tuning in. And check you all later. You know the Pope listens Dynasty our religion For the blokes missing On all of these trades On all of these plays On all of these grades By the end of the day Y'all getting played So what you gonna do next? Try to fill up that flex Send the homie a text That trash offers the best You try to make it complex Then they text you back Now all of a sudden They don't make any sense <laughs> Broaden your horizons boy Dynasty's not for the Simons boy these trades not for consignment, boy. Respect your opponent, y'all some piranhas, boy. This my advice from me to you. Open up your cute little podcast queue. Search up G-O-A-T District, my dude. Pop it in your ear, man. Y'all know what to do. It's the... And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Traded. And I always be traded. Y'all try to betray them, but first you gotta bait them. Fish. Fish.